welcome to Fiction to Function. I'm Sean Melton. And I'm Seth Melton. We, uh, we're in the middle of kind of a saga, for those of you who've listened consistently, where we kind of talk about our friends and um, give people a frame of reference for who it is that's on the podcast and um, what their, you know, background is and things like that in terms of fiction, literature, comic books, movies, whatever it is. Uh, but we're kind of taking a break from that because... We wanted to talk uh, this week about Hellboy. Um, we're taking a break from this kind of because, well, for one, this is something we want to be doing anyways. We really want to be um, talking about other avenues other than film. It just so happens that film has been kind of the particular avenue that we've been exploring. And we wanted to, um, we definitely want to branch out. So this is a nice opportunity to do that, which we're choosing to take now because of Neil Marshall's uh, new reboot, or I guess adaptation of Hellboy. It's you'll notice it's it's just me and Seth at this point, and I think that we may kind of talk to some other people later on um, in the podcast uh, to kind of pick more apart the character to get different perspectives on the character, but also to uh, kind of address some of the multitude of issues that we found in, in the new film directed by Neil Marshall. Um, but we really wanted to kind of keep this one. Uh, this is almost going to be, there's a degree to which this will almost be an, an interview where Seth's concerned because you're uh, very well-versed in this stuff and the Hellboy. Yeah, you could, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. It's near to, near and dear to me. Right. You'd say, yeah. And, um, so I guess we'll start off like we usually do, where we'll ask specifically, uh, as it pertains to Hellboy, and I know this is kind of a, a layered question for you, mm-hmm. um, what was it that first kind of, do you remember where you first started to get drawn towards the character, or what about the character interested you so much? I, I think that it, it's something where, uh, you know, he so he came out in the 90s, um, and... I remember mostly in the early 2000s when like the trade paperbacks came out, um, right. seeing them in Barnes and Noble, and I was really intrigued by it then. But uh, I got to be honest with you and say that uh, the Del Toro movies um, were kind of a turnoff, you know, to the the character and right. the franchise altogether because it was something where. Um, even though I didn't really see the movies until way later either, but it's something where they kind of portrayed him as this, uh, you know, chain-smoking, uh, drinking, cursing, not really, you know, but like kind of just this bad boy from hell. Right. This hell boy of sorts, you know, and it's something where... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I that 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 didn't seem to pique my interest too much, and uh, and not a lot of people were into, and really still kind of aren't into Hellboy. So like, I, I didn't really have a frame of reference, and you know, um, yeah, I didn't really. It, it it was this weird mix because uh, you know some backstory on me. You know, I I always grew up. Um, this changed when I hit a young age, but I, I remember the earliest superhero that I 
uh, was drawn to and liked was the Hulk, the mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk, and it's because he's this big green monster. Yeah, you know, and and I've always I always love this concept of um, a uh, big monster, which is intimidating and and you know scary, being the good guy. Right. You know. So, uh, and then you know, like in Disney, I always love the Beast and yeah, and so on and so forth. I mean, it really, if you uh, as a kid, if you picked, uh, you know, a franchise, I probably like the big scary monster. Yeah, the big brooding one. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it's this weird thing where it's like, you know, I, I it, that's more of a point for why I love Hellboy to kick it off. Well, I, mean, and I but, think probably what interested you earlier on. Yeah. It's just the idea of monsters well, yeah, and creatures. Time, you always into that sort of stuff. I would, I, I have been, um, for sure, but I will say, um, for transparency's sake, that I, I didn't start reading these until uh, early last year. Right. Um, so that's what that that's what uh, that's a good point to make for me, which is like I didn't I didn't really get into Hellboy until you know a year ago, despite being interested because I was yeah. interested too. Yeah. I wasn't as much into that sort of. We always liked, obviously, like I mean, if we found any, I remember. Um, making inventing our own stories and things like that and mm-hmm. what we would always use is is uh, i remember specifically using the the four inch gi joe figures yeah as like our like cast of characters but then we'd use monsters that we found one of the ones oh, i remember yeah. is is the it was the infrared um summit final from VIII. final fantasy 7 8 right yeah that action figure which was really cool yeah um he was like a Secret, transparent yeah. yeah like a transparent orange and i remember really liking that creature. he's my main character yeah you love that yeah thing. So. and i noticed you were always into that sort of thing um more than mm-hmm. even i was uh but we we kind of always had this fascination and this interest in getting into that because i remember our friend ivan who if anybody listened to the comrade j episode and if you haven't i would suggest it because it's it's a good, it's a yeah, and it gives you a frame of reference for Ivan and, and, and the, the his attachment to comic books. Right. We talked about even maybe having Ivan on here um, to talk about some of the origins of the comp, of the character, but we, we for various reasons, kind of steered away from that, mm-hmm. um, at least initially. Uh, I remember he was, at one point, he had these, like, really big, like, hard cover editions yeah the library editions yeah yeah, the library editions and he wanted to sell and and i almost bought them just Mm -hmm. because just based off the fact that i knew i wanted to read them and and i'm such a fan of uh mike mignola's art yeah um which is uh i'm sure we'll get into at least a little bit more yeah a little moving forward yeah well and that's the thing is like you know i think that the um on top of the fact that i was not interested by the character thanks to the movies to some extent where it's like okay i know what this guy's about which I did not, by the way. Um, there was also the fact that um, I didn't know where to jump in. Yeah. Like you know, with comic books in general, it's like you know um, I didn't know that this was a very coherent beginning, story. middle, end story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is so, really nice. Yeah. And you don't get we'll to see a lot. Talk on. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll hit on that. Um, but. But yeah. So and 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 I know that we wanted to uh, to give some more clarity again to kind of why we wanted to talk about this and. And I'll, I'll mention this, and we might talk about it later when we talk more about the movie. Just, I, and the, I'm going to be real with you right now. Um, the the movie portion of this is going to be more of a vent fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like bonus material for the, for those who want to, you know, sit and listen through this. Because I will say, um, 
uh, it's going to obviously, like everything we do, it's going to be extremely spoiler heavy. And, and I think that you need to make that the, the uh, decision as a listener as to whether or not this is plans on something that you will, because I know that we have listeners who listen to these podcasts, even if they, whether it's because they don't care about spoilers or just because God love them, they're supporting us. Um, I recognize that comic books aren't, aren't everybody's thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to listen to this uh, without that frame of reference, without having actually listened to, or sorry, without ever actually having read the stories themselves, I think that uh, you could still definitely get something out of this. But if you have any interest in it, there's going to be a point, and I'll let you know when, where we're going to go full kind of spoiler. But I think one of the biggest reasons we wanted to do this is because the, the films that have been brought out have not um, been the most adequate uh, or the most, I should say, faithful adaptations. No, uh-huh. not at all. And Have you seen Del Toro's films? Yeah, a, a very long time ago. Because and Not a very long time ago, but about, a, about four or five years ago. Yeah, ago. and I'll, I'll, I will say for just on the record, I think that they're... Um, good movies for well, I, I think that you're, you're going to find if you mm-hmm. watch them in this age just like the same thing with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies or the early you know Fox X-Men films yeah you're going to find that uh, they haven't aged probably as well as you would have hoped yeah um, I think that that's well I, and I think I would probably enjoy more watching them now actually sure um, because on the note of the movie and stuff and we we're not going to go into that now but you know it is something where i definitely did not need i don't need a movie of hellboy that's that's my uh take on it all like the the comics are so perfect for me they do the job Um, yeah that that they that i don't need i'm not one of those people that needs to see the stuff on screen yeah Uh, so especially because again we talked about the art a little bit but i think that uh trying to make hellboy look like a man i think mm -hmm. that it because there's almost we've talked yeah yeah, there's there's an element to to his design that i think is really endearing yes um specifically what it makes me think of and we've talked about this is like the iron giant yeah and i love the iron giant but he's got the big jaw right he's got the kind of rounded head like he's they're very similar and the eyes there's no pupils right um and i think that that sort of it draws you into the story and almost meek looking yeah yes he seems much more gentle yeah um and uh, specifically, and again, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this later on, but the Del Toro films, um, they're good action movies. And they're mm-hmm. good, like, they, they kind of, uh, you know, delve into a little bit the uh, the more supernatural elements. But they do, yeah. it, they do it very much in Del Toro's own way, which if you, if you like Del Toro... Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I mean, they're really good. Like yeah. he's, his care, his monster design is excellent. Sure, it's very. The stories are interesting, but again, they're kind of the first one is is a little bit. Of, it's it's an adaptation mm-hmm. um, of his origin story, but the second one really goes full whatever Del Toro wanted to do, and it's very fantasy yeah. driven. And again, they're kind of interesting, but you'll find if you've read the comics that it still doesn't do Hellboy quite like you would hope he would be done. And they still kind of they make a lot of things like. Uh, Something that's a big theme in both this these films and the Neil Marshall film, which like, we'll talk about later, but again is a I mean I mean it's a train wreck. Yeah. Um, is they do a lot of this like Hellboy people don't like Hellboy because he's a monster, but yeah. he's there to protect them. And if you read the comics, that's not really there. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I, I, you, I honestly, I'm like 
kind of, I want to get past this a little bit just because it's like, I'm, I'm going to go off if we talk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. But the, my, the, the reason I bring all this up is that if it's, if, it, if nothing's going to adhere uh, strictly to the character in the film and again, in the comic, sorry, but again, you don't, you don't need it to, but the hope is kind of, maybe we can do that here. We can kind of yeah. celebrate that. So that's exactly. what, that's what our yeah. primary focus is. Absolutely. Um, I'm not arrogant enough to like think, you know, we're going to, do it justice i actually it was very hesitant to do this episode uh for that reason because i'm like i I want to yeah seth came in here with like three different books with like uh post-it notes like stuck throughout them yeah but you did i know that this is important to you well it is well it is yeah that's part of the reason that's important to people and what's hard is and i'm not saying like with that being said it's hard because i feel like a lot of people talk about how good these books are but they focus on things that we all already know that are very much so on the surface you know right um so moving on to the actual uh, conversation uh, the the when you ask the question who is hellboy me and seth kind of discussed this earlier this mm-hmm. week it's funny because there's an answer to that that is um very uh is is kind of the answer to the story and the crux of it's 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 like the ultimate spoiler in a sense yeah um where it kind of talks about uh, because so much of the story, so much of the narrative of the comic is Hellboy trying to discover who he is. That's yeah. part of the whole theme. Right. Um, so we'll answer that question in a second. But for anybody who listens, who's listening and doesn't care to read these comics, or mm-hmm. um, just for the frame of, or maybe even in your own words, uh, let's talk about on a on a spoiler free. Um, you're trying to pitch this to somebody who you uh, a friend who you really think will appreciate the comics yeah who is hellboy um yeah so and what's funny is i know that i know specifically like three people that are going to be listening to this like that are like oh i'm good i haven't read them yeah so to some extent like i guess this is my pitch um but to start off i want to jump back um because uh well, okay, so Hellboy is set in um, a world not totally unlike ours. Um, and so in 1937, Rasputin gets recruited by Nazis to work with their scientists to uh, create something called the Ragnarok Project. Right. Um, which results in the creation of the Ragnarok engine. Now, Ragnarok is the apocalypse and Norse mythology um which is where the name comes from and in hellboy comics it is a weapon of mass destruction uh to end world war ii in hitler's favor sure um because he starts to uh resort to like a cultish um yeah cultic practices yeah and avenues because he's losing the war um so Rasputin promises Hitler a miracle um, with this project, uh, which Hitler needs because he's losing the war. Um, however, Rasputin, Rasputin's actual intentions um, is to bring forth the apocalypse um, and bring in the new Eden. Right. Um, so a few years come, roll by as they uh, are building this thing, and uh, Rasputin finally gains favor with Hitler. Um, and so the Ragnarok project, uh, it becomes a go right. and that's in 1944. Well, um, the day comes around, it's December 23rd, 1944. 
um, Rasputin performs a ritual uh, off the coast of Scotland. Um, and he does it to release the Ogdru, yeah, Ogru Jahad, yeah. I believe is that, yeah, how it said. And by the way, um, this is probably the most, uh, I wanted to address this before, I even started to go into all this, but, you know, for one, this is not going to be the best podcast if you want, like, super factual, uh, well, you know, like, super in-depth, like, I'm not claiming to know all of Hellboy's history, I still have yet to read all of uh, the, the BPRD, and I've yet to read a lot of Mike Mignola's um, other stories that branch off from Hellboy. But anyway, so we're going to probably say things wrong and whatnot. But So the Agru Jahad, um, he wants to release them from their prison in the abyss. Um, and they are. And, and they are the dragons of Revelations sure. to bring forth the end of the world. Sure. Um, yes, you do. Yeah, right. And... Um, and as he's doing this ritual um, and it finishes with it, nothing happens. Um, so they all consider it like a failure. Nothing happens um, in Scotland. Right. And and they, after the ritual, and they all... They're all kind of just standing there. Yeah, him and the Nazis are standing there kind of, and they disband and consider the whole project a failure. Um, however, in England, um, you have a bunch of U.S. soldiers cooped up in a broken-down, abandoned church. Um, and they were sent by a bunch of, like, big wigs that got wind of this project that's going on. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not... Something I was trying to figure out and think about prior to this is, like... I don't know how they knew it was going to be there, but maybe... I don't know. I, I'm guessing... Uh, the other people there with him who were uh, specialists and scientists. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, it was three members of the uh, British Paranormal Society. Right. Um, and it, that's Trevor Broom, um, another professor, and then you had uh, England's like top medium. Right. Um, who were present there for it? And uh, what happened is, as Rasputin finished the ritual um, off the coast of scotland um a small red creature child with a big stone red hand appears in a um flaming ball at the church in england right um as uh, so after like some reasonable caution that gets that takes place uh trevor broom ends up taking the kid under his wing and, and names him hellboy you know which and that's they, who hellboy and is that's, and that's who hellboy is yeah and then they, 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 what happens from there is that they uh, take him back to America. Uh, he lives on like a, a Air Force base in New Mexico, where Trevor Broom and uh, other experts found the BPRD, which is the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense, um, which is funded by the United States. Um, and then two years later, Broom uh, adopts Hellboy and uh, raises him as his own. Um, because over the course of their them studying them, the Hellboy and uh, Trevor Broom uh, bond. They form a yeah, yeah, relationship. Really, really tight relationship. So, um, and at, yeah, at this point, if you haven't read the comics, you should just go read them. And because uh, the Hellboy ends up growing up and working with the BPRD, um, and he becomes the world's best paranormal detective. 
Yeah. And that's Hellboy, spoiler free, relatively. Yeah, that's like that the, that's that's the yeah. who is Hellboy, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny because I think if you see the comics, uh, I guess the like very short answer. So let me ask you that: in, in a, what's the short answer to who is Hellboy? Um, Hellboy is a a demon man who works with the United States. And goes on adventures trying to, like, investigate paranormal activities. Yeah, and okay. defend the world from, um, you know. The dark forces. Well, yeah, divine beings, Yeah, you know, of sorts. Okay. So that, <laughs> that's the spoiler-free. Yeah. Um, and well, now... And to, and to, to, like, to explain a little bit of the comics themselves, the last thing I'll say before we really get spoiler-heavy... Um, is uh, to describe the world that Mignola's uh, created in short. It's got like a gothic um, feel to it with some cosmic horror horror elements at play, like the Lovecraftian stuff, yeah, monsters and whatnot, and like. Uh, but despite the fact that these books are considered and uh, they're classified under like horror, um, they're they are. Uh, a lot more inviting than you would think. Um, right. That's something I've tried to tell my wife, you know, who hates horror. Uh, no, yeah, you, they don't, they don't, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't think I've ever been scared. Mm-mm. Like, or, or. They're dark. They're dark. Yeah, they're but, dark, but they're not, they're not, they're not like uh, haunt you in your sleep. Yeah. They're not make you have nightmares, dark, no. I don't think. No, I don't think so um, either. They still read and, like comics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then he weaves folklore and uh, mythology and fairy tales throughout. Some of my favorite stuff. Uh, the stories um which the core of the story is about this character hellboy that he's created but he weaves that stuff throughout it and it's brilliant you know it really is um it's it's very it's very good mm-hmm. uh, i was thinking about how like i don't want to say um it's hard with stuff like hellboy because it, i would suggest hellboy to someone who isn't an avid comic book reader mm-hmm. uh and so part of me wants to say and, and I don't want to say it's better than comics because I love comic books and I think that there's a lot of beautiful things that are, are you know, uh, represented in yeah. them and I love a lot of those heroes. But there is it does utilize the the art form and I think one in like it's in its highest capacity. Yeah, uh, it, I would almost telling. Yeah, it really does. It, it feels more like um, like a graphic novel series, I guess you would yeah. say, for someone who is a little bit. And again, especially if you want something that is is uh, closed. Um, in terms of its, uh, there's a beginning, middle, and end, like yeah. you said. Well, something that, you know, even with the art, and once again, I don't want to get, the, like, the, this is probably the last I'll talk about the art in depth at all, um, because if you go and watch any review, people rant and rave about the art, and all you need to do is go look at a few pages, and you'll see what we mean. It's very unique and, and uh, very uh, addicting, I guess you could say. But whatever the case, you know, what, what is interesting is that... Um, Personally, I can't figure out if I like the art in Seed of Destruction more or the art in uh, Hellboy in Hell. Because if you put those side by side, you know, like the art in Seed of Destruction is like so detailed. And it's still uh, Mignola's style, but sure. it's like a detailed, like dark, grittier version. Whereas like Hellboy in Hell, which is the last comic he does, um, is a lot more... Uh, 
round. And yeah, it's kind of a broad feeling detailed. to it. Yeah, very broad. And, which I love. Which I love. That's a good well. point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I know this is something we talked about a lot in terms of in in, in uh, kind of conceiving this episode. Is I know you talked. Seth didn't really want to do. Um, you didn't want to talk too much about the art because like you said there's there's things that anybody who loves hellboy will talk about all the time like oh right. the art's so good right. it's really interesting because of the but there, there's there's so much more to the story yeah and um and like i said it really is uh good this is uh, i only read it seth had been as soon as he finished it pretty much and i only think before i think before you finished it yeah you were like this is great this is everything yeah. i'd hoped it would be well and i gotta be honest with you I, I i i do this with things i really enjoy i took my time with it yes um like, I'm not the type of person that binges stuff. Like, it's funny because I'll binge it for, like, a little bit. And then if it's, like, if I really start liking it, I'll kind of, like, slow down. Cause I just, yeah, it's like know, a treat. I like to, yeah. That was, uh, Scott, some of my favorite reading experiences were Scott Pilgrim and um, the Harry Potter books. And I would read yeah. just a chapter or two and just right. put it down I mean, because, that, it, yeah, cause it felt yeah. before bed. Well, I would sometimes, I, with Hellboy, it's like I, I would uh, read a story a night, which sounds like, it's not a lot, but for one, like, you know, if you get into Hellboy, it's a lot of short stories and a yeah. lot of big stories and short stories and, you know, you, you... Which you would suggest reading them because there's multiple ways to read yeah. them. Yeah, so, yeah, so I would I would suggest reading them. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can do it because they've released, like, trade paperbacks and they've released their library editions and um, it all depends on how you want to go about buying them, I guess, but the most, the best way... And the cheapest way are the same way, um, despite the fact they're not the prettiest way. Which, uh, like the library editions, I own. I own. You own like five different versions. Versions of this, of this. Yeah. yeah. So, it literally. Um, but uh, the library editions are gorgeous. So you know, if if you want that, that's you know. You, but they're kind of impractical. They're big. They're very big, yeah. and and the pages are like, uh, you could put them on a wall because they're so big and yeah. they're so nice and that you know so it's very nice but it's like you know so that's more for like a collector but if you're going to go and read this i mean you i think on amazon for like 100 bucks you can get the uh omnibuses and those have um they i believe that uh mignola um structured them in such a way that they're chronological which is how he feels like you should read them which i yeah. would agree yeah i love it that's that how way. i read them i yeah. started with the uh yeah my suggestion the trade paperbacks and then you yeah i kind of cut you off you, yeah you see yeah. i and so i started rereading them from and i would suggest it too i love yeah. it um but uh and like i said so as soon as is you were pre- you were kind of going hey you really need to read this and, yeah. and so i only finished it well a month ago yeah something like that and funny enough, that's the thing you want this podcast. Like, you know, you'll have to forgive me because, uh, you know, really I haven't talked to anyone about it. You know yeah. what I mean? I talked to Skylar a little bit about it and Jubal a little bit about it because they read it as well. Um, and then that's about it, I think. Because yeah. a lot of people, A, haven't read it, and then B, um, I don't know, I guess we're just busy. But whatever the case, you know, what I would say about the reading order is uh, – that um, I do recommend reading uh, Seed of Destruction first. And it's funny because, uh, you know, a lot of people have problems with Seed of Destruction and even reading it first because they feel like you're jumping in so late into his, especially because it was released as the first Hellboy. Comic. And there's some people who aren't. It's John Byrne, right? Worked yeah, on that. With, and a lot of people, there's, well, they don't I, like, we know people who don't have, who have issues oh, with John Byrne. I know a lot of people do. What I, is the big beef there? I don't understand. Do you know? Um, that he's a hack. I mean, I think like he did like <laughs> okay. X Men instead of X Men. You know, 
Gotcha. So, which is actually what's name's first appearance, Hellboy's first appearance. Was in the, um, the next men. Which was in the next men. Um, so there's that, and then there's the fact that, uh, but yeah, like they felt like a seed of destruction is too wordy for one, um, which I don't. Uh, if by the way, I like the fact I I don't I like the fact that it's the first book and not the rest of the books. And what I mean by that, and I I love it equally in that way. But the reason why is because I will say is they set the having jumping into Hellboy's mind and a lot of those fights and stuff like that. I felt like that was important because like you really got to see um, that he is a detective. And that he is intelligent. He's not just this big hulking brute. No, not at all. Exactly. So I like that. Where it's like you could maybe make that. You could think that if you read just the rest of them. Like he's just this nice guy who's just moseying around the world trying to help. And it's like, no, he's a smart guy, you know. And So I I like that for one. And then two, um, I like that they, they kind of like give you this big story to like hook you. And then... If you started with a lot of the short stories, I'd, I, I, I do feel like some people might not be as interested. Maybe they would, but it's almost episodic in a weird way. Like, you're kind of like... Um, the short story... No, you're you're completely... It's funny because we just... And I, I, I it's so funny because when I'm saying I agree with you that this is how you should read them, yeah. I'm thinking of the way that you presented them to me. Right. Um, and so I guess this is a caveat kind of to the whole... Uh, read the Read the omnibus. Yeah, yeah. because... You're saying read Seed of Destruction first, which is and I think the it's the, the first, first story and technically the third. It's the first. So, so the way that the omnibuses come is there's six of them. I'm yeah. telling you this for buying them on Amazon. There's um, there's four for the story, and then there's two side like short stories, two two books of short stories, and then there's four books of the main story. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna read the first story in the first book of the four. The first four. So, Seed of Destruction, read that first story, and then jump back and read volume one and volume two of the of short, short stories. And then. Which I is great, finish. a great way to. I really agree with you because, yeah, you're right. First of all, it was the first story that came out, right? It was yeah, the first story yeah. that Mike Magnolia, Magnolia yeah. wrote uh, with John Byrne or whatever. Yeah. But. It really does give you. It's really cool to kind of jump in and go. Here's this guy. We're so the BPRD. I guess he looks like a demon, kind of um, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. And then go. Now we're gonna go back in time, and you're gonna see him kind of grow up a little bit. Yeah. Which I really love that. Yeah, yeah. You get to see him grow up more, and then you also, um, yeah. I feel like you just have context for this character. You know, you already have appreciation. Yeah, you know where he's going, but you definitely don't know where he's going. Right. You know I mean, there's like they, they they serve everyone in that way. So. Yeah. Um, but one last thing before we do dive into the spoiler heavy stuff, and I don't know who's listened to this point, you know, that hasn't read Hellboy or likes Hellboy. Um, but, uh, you know, I wanted to address real quick, you, you were talking about like people that are like, comics aren't really my medium, so to speak, you know, um. I know that gets said a lot, and I know I'm thinking of several people specifically who have told me that when I've. Uh, suggested Hellboy to him um, but uh, I will say and I think you would agree with me is that Hellboy seem, is, Hellboy is a lot more like kin to literature um, than to comic books and I think there's a lot of reasons for that um, however one of the biggest uh, being and we've already said this but uh, in a way but it's very intentional and a reason that it's very intentional is because it has a beginning and an end you know um I think a big reason why comics don't get taken ser- very serious um, these days and don't hold as much weight um, with people is 
as they probably should, I think, uh, or I definitely think they should, um, is because they don't have that beginning and end. And, so it um, becomes messy to try to read it. It's messy to try and read it, exactly. Especially and for a newcomer. For a newcomer, and like setting those limitations in place uh, really give value over um, rather than take it away. Right. You know what I mean? Um, bad decisions get swept under the rug and characters get brought back to life to make more money and stuff like that. Went, went with a lot of these other uh, heroes and in Hellboy that's not the case. Hellboy is very intentional. It's very... Uh, the story is very uh, refined and, and yeah, there's a beginning and an end. And so that that's the line right like that 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 ends where uh we're speaking without spoilers so at least we'll speak more freely now right um now i'm gonna a little bit refer to you here Mm -hmm. because uh i kind of want to follow your lead in terms of how you what you want to address yeah um is a good first question who is hellboy well spoiler like yeah truly who is hellboy yeah i mean i guess i mean if at this point i would say if you uh if you don't care about spoilers or yeah we're done yeah that's yeah but like then i would say that you already know who that is so it's like i don't need to say that he's the beast of the apocalypse and all that stuff but um yeah i mean i think that for me, a good place to start, because I got, yeah, I will say, and this might not even be the best way to structure this podcast, but I, I don't know what was, and, you know. It's a lot of material. It's a lot of material, and it's kind of hard to tackle. Like, I was trying to think if I should do, like, down the stories, and I didn't, I felt like that would be way too long, and that would be, and also, it's like, I don't want to just be like, you, you guys remember when Hellboy uh, did the thing where he did, where he, that was awesome. Right. You know? Um, so, you know, to kind of just dive right into uh, the grit of it, um, so to speak. I was uh, just talking with a friend who's an older guy um, about the state of superheroes right now. Um, And he was saying how he misses the days when superheroes would be like healthy, well-adjusted people. Um, Like someone worth looking up to. Right. And we talked for quite a while um, about like what constitutes a hero, because I was making the argument that having a hero with issues is relatable. Right. Um, but what he, but but what we both came to was the idea that heroes need to be able to like meet you where you're at, but have the virtue to transcend the human condition. Right. Okay. Um, and therefore, becoming a standard to strive towards, which I think Hellboy very much so is. And that was like earlier this week. So I kind of was like, okay, that's where I'll start, you know. Um, you know, because despite the fact he has the weight of his the world on his shoulders, like quite literally, um, he has a noble attitude about it. Um, and he never plays victim to the situations that he finds himself in, or that he, right. the the situation that he does find himself in, which right. is his life, you know, and what who he is, and all that. Um, which would be really easy for a character in his shoes to do, and uh, 
what I mean by that is you don't see him become bitter or like complain about it. Um, I guess when he's younger, he's kind of like, why do I have to do this? Right. You know, about one job, but like, well, and I, I think that there's a relatable element there too with, uh, because it, he, uh, I think it's fair to, to say that there's probably a lot of people who struggle with this idea that, you know, why am I on earth? Why mm-hmm. am I here? Yeah. Um, and that, that's a question Hellboy has to ask, and it, it carries yeah. uh, an extra element with it. There's this kind of uh, adaptation of Hellboy that kind of keeps kind of coming to light where it's he doesn't look like a person, but yet he's trying to be with the people, and should he protect the people, or does he belong to hell? What is his destiny? And the truth is that um, that's not really... Uh, the first part of half of that really isn't, isn't what Hellboy... No. is about it's not it's never he's never i don't remember i don't recall any time in the comics of him going you know i don't look like no and i love else. that because like he's like, people actually accept they, him very well yeah they, t- they in, in yeah. this world they seem to take in the world of the comics mm-hmm. they seem to take the supernatural pretty pretty well yeah yeah like ape sapiens just like roaming around and like asking like street cops like questions or whatever you know what i right. mean like people just kind of seem to to accept it yeah and but what does the, the struggle that truly does gnaw on him mm-hmm. is having these supernatural forces go, you don't know what you're made for. Yeah. You don't even know why you exist. And he always responds, almost always, with shut up. That's always the actual, right. like, you know what I mean? He's just kind of like, I don't care. And he punches the thing as hard as he can. And he fights the thing. And he winds up, you know, usually mm-hmm. triumphing over that thing. Right. But the question begins to gnaw on him. Yeah. And, and it becomes kind of like, oh, why am I here? What does that even mean? What yeah. do they know about me that I don't even know? Mm-hmm. And so I, when you brought up having this discussion about you know heroes being admirable or being kind of you know obnoxious or you know just riddled with like issues, um, and it, I think that it, it as it pertains to Hellboy, it's interesting because he's I mean he's an honorable guy and really I don't think he's like, what are his terrible qualities? He has a little bit of a temper, but he uses it for good, I feel. Yeah. He drinks too much. Yeah. <laughs> but his biggest, uh, his biggest, you know, question that he has out there is, is who am I? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that uh, that's an aspect that I think that uh, makes him very much so human and relatable to humans, I would say, is uh, his search for purpose and wrestling with his existence um while rejecting the existence that constantly you know he's constantly being told he is to fulfill um throughout the entire storyline uh of his existence yeah and, and that he has to fulfill a purpose that is fundamentally against what he, yeah, his exactly. desires who and, he yeah. wants to be yeah. um and that's literally in his DNA to trans, you know, to go deeper, you know, right. um, like he literally is half demon. Right. Um, and I think that's a very, I, I think that is very relatable. Um, fighting like our bad nature and striving towards a better one, you know, and, and, uh, and granted Hellboy is with the P- BPRD, you know, um, for a while before he embarks on that like existential journey. However, um, it's very obvious that uh, it is at play with him, like 
nonetheless regardless of him acknowledging it or not you know what i mean and that's another thing i'll say that's great about and i think everyone could agree like all these short stories and throughout the story and like but in the beginning specifically if you read it chronologically is the fact that like they they weave those back in so well like these things some of them become really small yeah become the biggest things in the story and it really echoes life in that way yeah um because some of the some of the biggest things he has to deal with are come from uh, are the consequence of actions taken, uh, even for the sake of what is right early right. on. Right. Really, there are a lot of ways um, where Hellboy is. Uh, I, I think that the story of Hellboy is largely about, you know, what is it to be human? Yeah. Well, and that yeah, that's that that's a huge. Uh, point I wanted to address as well um, which it's not crazy that you came to that conclusion um, and it's one that I feel like a lot of people not even miss but I feel like a lot of people maybe overlook it or uh, you put the emphasis on the hell over the boy yeah sure yeah, right um, and for starters you know something specifically I want to one of the things I want to address with Hellboy um is that I do feel like he's like the everyman, you know. Um, I feel like that's another aspect where he's a really relatable character um, with his personality, with the personality they give him as well as, like, his dialogue, you know. Which is odd. What's that? Which you would think was odd if you were just looking at the comics and you'd look at this big bulking red figure with hooves for feet and a tail. Yeah. Well, and it conveys it really well that... um, despite the fact that he's, right, like, half-demon and he's this monster man... um, he really has this attitude of like a hardworking guy that like goes to work and is get trying to get a job done daily and then comes back and relaxes and then goes to work and then comes back. Like that's kind of who he is, you know, um, until, you know, shit hits the fan. Right. Um, but it's funny because, um, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I think that, uh, Mike Mignola's, uh, got his inspiration for Hellboy um his personality was from his dad and uh his dad was a cabinet maker and I guess his dad would come home with you know wounds and stuff like that and he had a very like kind of like matter of fact no nonsense personality but it was kind of just like he would just tell his son certain things and like one of the things that happened I guess in his dad's uh job site was like a guy lost his arm or something and he was like you know as a kid it's like you know you're horrified you feel like your dad works yeah your dad's in a like war a zone every day right and he's just kind of nonchalant about it which you know the older you get and you work on job sites like that you kind of get that you know you're just like yeah you know fred fell off a ladder today broke his leg but whatever you know right. it's kind of funny that you know and he he wanted to in that you can see that if that is true you can see that in hellboy even that he's kind of just this like guy who goes to work what he does is crazy and who he is is crazy but that kind of like really gets overlooked by himself you know with himself you know right. he kind of just he's he's one of the guys you know yeah. one of the humans and um but anyways uh like i, I wanted to address the, the aspect of humanity versus like divinity um that uh hellboy is kind of torn between um and how like rather than being the son of the devil he uh, becomes like the protector of mankind. And then with that being said, uh, you know, you have 
he, he gets adopted by a man, Trevor Broom, which uh, is a really, I think in that in a nutshell, I mean, that's a whole other thing, but it's kind of a cool contrast, like having like Trevor Broom being this like moral man who's his adopted father. And then you have his real father, uh, Azale, and um, who's a demon, right. you know, and He's like a prince or something of hell. Yeah, yeah. He's a big deal up down there. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that, like, that alone is is kind of cool. Like, you know, which father do you pick? And um, and more than that, uh, you see, you, when you're reading the comics, you really see Hellboy as a human. Um, obviously, throughout the whole story, you have him being pushed into this role as, like, the beast of the apocalypse, um, in which he keeps rejecting. But even on the other side, you have him as the king of England, as a descendant of King Arthur. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's great how he reject. Uh, I think it's great how he like kind of rejects that and walks away from that um, as well. Um, really cementing the fact that he's human. Um, and I think... And forging his own path ahead. R- r- well, yeah, trying to find his own way in the world and... Um, and I think a great way that plays out specifically in the comics is like, for instance, the Fury, um, when obviously when he literally is like, you know, gives Alice the uh, Excalibur and he's like, you know, I, I got to do this my own way. And, and an aspect I love is when he goes against uh, Nimue at the end and he instead of like using the Excalibur, he's using an axe that he got off of like an enemy. Um, yeah. Because he, he feels that it's more fitting to him, right? And I, I felt like that. That is, you know, cliche as it might sound. I feel like that that might is like a really cool uh, nod to that. On top of the fact that I think that it's really cool how he trades his eye. I mean, I know that is yes, but I think that that's such a um, cool concept. Him trading his eye to get to her, and then furthermore, this really isn't super deep or anything. But uh, the most like rock and roll thing in the world is him like walking up the steps, you know, with the cloak on the one eye and all the witches being like it's thor no it's odin yeah that was great going up there to take on the dragon yeah absolutely But anyways um so uh well and kind of this the the decision that and again another huge theme of the and really a lot of the crux of it i feel like is this is making this decision between being a monster or being a good man right yeah well in in um which is, I think, something that we all face, yeah, being a monster I, and being a good person. I do. And I think in general it brings up what is so admirable about being human. Yes. You know? um, and I think it's it's our capacity for good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like nature doesn't have the capacity for good and evil, and then animals don't have capacity for good and evil and i mean I, I think that at the end of the day that's really what sets humans apart from everything else um because we do it's not hard to argue that you know that there's evil in the world um it's like something that everyone universe universally you know can agree on hellboy's character arc is not one um that is about uh becoming a hero and doing what's right but one that touches on the fact that he could become the ultimate villain. So that capacity for good as well as evil is at play. It's an idea of us going down a path that ultimately is not neutral. 
um, which is a very strong point to make. Because I think that's true for everyone on this planet. You're either building things up or you're breaking them down. Um, well, and, and I, I want to talk for a minute on that subject uh, of evil. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, you know, you're building these up, you're breaking these down. And, and when you kind of uh, place the breaking things down, at least in the sense that you mean it, um, in line with evil, I really appreciate, one of the things I really like about this this series is the way that evil is represented. Yeah. Because there is big, monstrous Right. Hell, you know, hell, you know, fire breathing yeah. monster evil. There is. Mm-hmm. There's witches, there's demons, there's. But it's also constant, like throughout the series from the beginning, it's represented often as like off base science, you know, yeah. science going a route that it really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times it's even represented as in, in creatures that are very sad yeah. and very, or very boring or very, uh, really pitiful. Yeah. Like uh, very small in terms of their their spirit, very small creatures, very um, jealous or yeah, uh, like these, right? Yeah, these creatures that harbor right. harbor pride right. and and resentment, uh, resentment and... against uh, against yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like yes. there's uh, yeah. and I, I really like this idea that there's not a lot of things. Something that makes me think of, and we've talked about this some. And again, you would think that we were paid by um, publicists for you know the lewis uh, fortune yeah. or you would think that i was yeah, paid for were, but yeah. we did talk about because you recently read c.s lewis's space trilogy which yeah, i highly correct. recommend uh-huh. but that is a way that evil is represented often in that yes. series is in going off track um mm-hmm. in the sciences and in the arts and also people who are ultimately petty yes. individuals uh evil using bigger darker evil using these sorts of individuals is kind of vessels mm-hmm. for its work and it's yeah, something i really absolutely. appreciate about the hellboy well, and, series and that's an aspect that uh really separates hellboy from a lot of comics especially these days um even to go back to like the, how things have changed so much even in a short period of time but i think that a huge credit to uh mignola's uh universe is that it, um the it's very clear who the bad guys are and who the good guys are you know what i mean there's not like this like uh gray there's not as much of a gray area right there's not a moral ambiguity about it no exactly like it's definitely something where it's like these guys are definitely bad and and um that's something that kind of drives me a little bit nuts um in regards to Hellboy, uh, you know, because I, I, I read a lot of different things and whatnot, but it's like I see all the time, like, uh, comments talking about how, uh, you know, in parentheses, you could say, like, people being like, oh, I love, like, I love the demonic forces and, like, you know, uh, people kind of romanticize yeah, that. Well, I, that. Like, it takes, it takes, yeah. you know, they, it takes a bad guy to beat the bad guys, you know, and I, by the way, I utterly disagree with that uh, mindset where Hellboy, Hellboy is concerned, because um, it kind of like feeds into this like it, even him being an antihero, which I'm not about. I, I, you know, I'm all about antiheroes in a lot of ways. Sure, but that's fine. That's fine, but that's, but that's not, not this story. That's really not what Hellboy is, um, and, and he's so far from that. Um, yeah, there's a fundamental disconnect. Yeah, um, from the character if someone is approaching this with that 
right. uh, ideology. I mean, like in which, which, by the way, is something I love about. I love yeah. about this. Yeah, I love that it is. You're right. It is more of a clear cut. It's very clear cut, and and um, much like Harry Potter, even. Yeah, like Harry Potter, you don't have to guess who the bad guy no. is. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and Hellboy has flaws for sure, but the character is too deep to fall into that like unconscious rut of like. Who is this guy? You know what I mean? Like, what is he about? It's like, no, you know what Hellboy's about. Right. And he's not, and you know what he's not about. And what he's not about is helping anyone he doesn't want to help, which is all the witches. Which is almost, all the which is always all, the yeah. bad guy, the clear, evident yeah. dark force. Exactly. And, and, and to dive deeper into that uh, concept for a minute here, um, you know, I don't care if you believe in a god or a devil, um, or if you're religious in general. Uh, but you know, with all that being said, uh, you have to acknowledge the fact that this universe is obviously entrenched uh, with those themes. You know, um, Hellboy's universe. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They're prominent feature. The, right. yeah, the devil specifically is a prominent feature, right? Which only means that you know there's obviously another force, uh, another force at play. Right. Know? Well, he travels around, right, with like mm-hmm. a crucifix and things like that. So. Well, sure. So it, right. So there has to be some. I mean, the, the bottom line is, is there's a power that combats that. And once again, you don't have to. You know, this, whatever the case, if you're playing by Hellboy's rules, those are yeah. Hellboy's rules, and you have to accept that. Um, you know, because it's something where it's like demons are in fact bad, and hell is in fact bad. Right. Uh, and there's obviously a force for good, you know. Um, with that being the case, I thought about a, some about the idea that, you know, you have like Jesus and he's the son of God um, and he's the son of man. Um, whereas Hellboy he's the son of the devil and the son of man. Right. Um, and with and kind of playing with that idea, I think uh, how they make Hellboy... I, you know, I think it's interesting how, like, they don't make Hellboy, uh, you know, bring salvation to anybody as a hero. Uh, but the whole climax is that he uh, chooses to do what's right um, with the hand that's been dealt with him. Literally. Literally, yeah. <laughs> um, which is that, like, you know, he fights to preserve good, which is a very uh, human thing to do. And a choice I feel like we all have to make every day. Uh, you have the power to bring a little bit of heaven or a little bit of hell uh, into this world with each move you make. I think the problem with um, a lot of like organized religions in general um, is that they've really reduced heaven and hell um, to be like locations, and you know they call it the afterlife and. I think that's a huge misstep because I think that heaven and hell are a state of being and I think that there are people in them all the time and that create them all the time on, on this earth and, and without even knowing it. And, and I, that's what I was saying even earlier with the whole concept of, you know, I think that everyone can agree with the aspect of uh, evil being something that we can understand we you see something and you're like that's bad and that's evil but once again it's like we have a hard time like uh identifying good and i think that be that's because you know uh pain makes you feel more so without getting too uh philosophical you know it's something where i just think that 
that aspect of Hellboy is a very relatable one um, in regards to what you know the capacity that he has in his character you know it's Absolutely. like um yeah actually i think that that's part of the the big uh well it's a big problem we see uh, in day-to-day life especially in this given time period where there's a kind of these opposing forces trying to um define and uh implement what they believe is good um mm-hmm and so, I mean, honestly, I've never really thought of that, but I guess there is a way where, at least in the day and age we live in, where it seems that what is good is more difficult to identify for the individual than mm-hmm. what is evil. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and uh, I think that that is a big aspect of being human is that we, we understand more than even good, we understand bad, you know, together. Right. And... Um, but, you know, I just think that it's in, uh, it's imperative, you know, for us to, um, I don't think that it's an interesting observation of Hellboy to, uh, see that aspect of him, but I think that it's like very important rule to live by, which is like to know how, uh, evil you could be. You know what I mean? I think that like knowing how bad you can be really puts into perspective how important it is for you to try and be good because for every person that's trying to be good there's like 60 people that either don't care as i say most likely don't give a crap or are trying to be bad right you know what i mean and and they're actively seeking out yeah malicious intents right so malicious activity exactly so you know it's something where um yeah, I think that, you know, that that is, you know, Hellboy's existence, obviously. And, and uh... Well, and yet another interesting aspect of Hellboy is the fact that there's two ends, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to kind of go into uh, that aspect of the story, because I think we've talked a lot about the themes that, that carry throughout it. But uh, I think that it might be... Mm-hmm our best course of action to kind of talk first about the quote unquote end. Right. Yeah. Um, can you talk some about when he wrote this part? I'm talking about everything previous, everything prior to the ending prior to Hellboy in hell, which is almost like a very long prologue, I guess it winds up coming. It's the real end, I would say. Yeah. Well, um, he, he, so, uh, Mignola's uh, idea was to, you know, he kills off Hellboy at the end of uh, The Storm and the Fury. What year did he write that, do you know? I believe it was 2013. Okay, it's pretty recently. Yeah, I I, I mean, I should probably, I should know this more off the top of my head. It's like 2011 to 2013. It's in that space, I gotcha. Okay, so he wrote that, and then a few years later he did Hellboy in Hell. Well, Hellboy in Hell was supposed to go on for like 20 years. Sure. Or, or in the inevitable future. That was his way to kind of continue the character indefinitely. Yeah. yeah um, it's just have him kind of roam around Hell and do different things. And um, I believe, yeah, about eight issues in, at the end of issue eight, which is him sitting smoking um, like in a forest, like a 
you know, dead forest. Right next much. to a tree, right? Next to a tree. He, he saw that picture and he said, that's it. That's the end. And and so then the he last... He had to wrap it up. He, so he just... Well, he, just, he didn't even like... That's the thing. It kind of like... It's just going, 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 going. And then those last two issues, it's like... So it done. almost ends three times, I guess. So yes. let's talk about that, yeah. that first ending, the one he wrote um, a few years prior. Because he took a break. This is what I was trying to figure out. When did he take the break from the movies? Didn't that kind of like knock some wind oh, out that, him or yeah, something? Yeah, and that's... I mean, once again, there's... Uh, with this podcast in general, I'm like, I feel like there's going to be uh, so many things i think about afterwards you know what i mean yeah, and there's so many things already that i've i've taken out of like my notes and whatnot and i don't you know that i'm like i'm not going to bring up because I, I feel like it would just be four hours long we honestly. had a whole we had a whole conversation after training day yeah um talking about how close the uh how close justice looks to vengeance mm-hmm. and how close um you know uh idealism looks to criticism or you know judgmental you know criticism or whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it and talking about how it's really difficult to kind of find that line and that whole conversation i probably kick myself about over every other day since we recorded which i mean is like two weeks ago i think that the bottom line is that like it's also to get real for a second on the podcast i think that it's hard sometimes to like word yourself perfectly like we all oh yeah are a lot i can understand everybody a lot better off this podcast than sure. i can on it just because you know it's like it's hard you know being self-con being self-conscious is not a good thing sure. being conscious of yourself it gets tricky you know because you're like everything i'm literally everything you're saying is putting being put on stone you know yeah but a uh, internet stone you know so anyways and so all, we're still trying to find that beat of sure so naturalism there's, there's that aspect and there's the, but then there's just the aspect that you know especially stuff that you love that is yeah. so deep like hellboy you revisit it, and each time you find something new. And right. In 20 years, I'll probably have given a totally different podcast, or maybe not totally different, but, um, you know, so uh, he took a break, um, the, uh, the island. Like Mignol. Yeah, which is really fascinating because it's when um, Hellboy quits the BPRD, you know. Okay. Um, so he, he quit for a yeah, little while after Yeah, that. Uh, I believe so. So... Uh, I believe there's a huge gap between that. I don't remember the exact time period because I was not reading comics at that point. But um, yeah, so and it's just fa- you know it's, it's it is interesting to see how you know he. Do you know why he took a break? Um, didn't the movies reason, have something to do with it? Yeah, I believe. I mean, I think it was said that he didn't want the movies, which I respect it so much, but he didn't want the movies like influencing his comic you know okay. and that's not to knock the movies but it's also like i think that you know if you create anything it gets tricky when you know you get more cooks in the kitchen and you know oh yeah this is spices I... to your dishes that you're yeah not sure with and and so you you know he, he took a break you know and i think that that was great and it really especially for me someone reading it way later it's like it, it plays well you know hellboy being like just like you know floating around in the ocean for like three two years, years or something, right? Two, and it literally years, was uh, a couple years, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, I think you, I remember you saying that he was. It, you read that he was kind of depressed during that period, which because of that, was, because of the too yeah. many cooks in the kitchen thing. So I think, yeah, he was. Okay. So, regardless of any of those mm-hmm. facts, um, or not, yeah, he he comes back mm-hmm. and he finishes Hellboy, which ends with, which ends with Hellboy dying. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
so Hellboy dies and uh, gets pulled down to hell. And that's where... Uh... I'm struggling with what my favorite part of the story is because we talked about this. Like, you know, I love um, the short story, The Corpse. Yeah. That's same. one of my favorite aspects uh, of it, which right. is funny because it winds up being actually one of the most uh, important mm-hmm. elements to... It's one of the things that leads to his death, right? Yeah. Um, or the events, uh, the events in that, that short story. Right. Um, but... <sighs> A strong contender for my favorite part of it is the totality of Hellboy in Hell. I love yeah. the art. I love how simple it is. I love the landscapes mm-hmm. that he created. Um, I love his. I think his depiction of Hell is incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, is that that's your favorite? I think it is. I mean, like honorable mentions for sure are like uh, the nature of the beast. I love yeah, that, that great. Short story. You know, and I love, I love that one too. Uh, the corpse, um, the iron shoes. I think yeah, that's a good funny, one. You know that was but, creepy. Well, it's, funny. it's funny but creepy. Yeah, it's both. I feel kind of sure. Yeah, yeah. That nasty is. little dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That he catches. But you know, in in something we haven't talked about, or you know, that we've kind of missed a little bit is like how funny these comics are. Like these comics have everything in them. Yeah, they really do. It's like they're deep. They're great to look at. They're, uh, you know, the um, sense of humor is excellent excellent yeah and i feel like it could be not it, it couldn't even be it it's so subtle it. yeah. yeah so many people i do think do miss it you know um but he really has created a masterpiece but with all that being said i love hellboy in hell probably the most i mean um because on the surface it seems almost anticlimactic, you know um and it kind of actually is in a way especially given how he wrote it you know it's like Hellboy's kind of just doing his thing. Oh, it ends. And that's yeah. it. You know? Um, but I love that because it tells a much more truer story about, like, what being a hero looks like, um, which is pressing on with, like, this, like, relentless weight on you um, and then kind of fading away, doing everything you can do until the end. Yeah. Um, and once again, it's, like, that's super depressing and dark probably for some people but uh you know i think hellboy in hell uh is a great sign off for a hero uh that doesn't get what he wants but um lives and dies the hero you know lived and dies the hero and uh i think that's beautiful despite the fact i could probably go on and on but and uh with the goal of trying to end this somewhat soon (laughs) There's two points I really wanted to address um, in Hellboy and Hell uh, that I felt like were big standout moments, which one of them is um, in the Death Card, Chapter 4, which is the Bride of Hell, or the the Spanish Bride, is I think what it's called. Um, When Hellboy has uh, his run-in with his ex-wife, and she says, you want, you know, she says something, I think... Yeah, like, you you know, you want to start over, you want a new life, uh, first you have to finish this one, or the old one. It's a great line. Yeah, um, and that part just uh, spoke to me on a lot of different levels. Um, beyond being, like, such a cool line, um, it really encompasses the whole story of Hellboy. It's pretty much the advice he's been needing from, like, day one. Um, which is a very human problem, 
as well um, as a very human solution, which is the idea that in order to be rid of a problem, you must deal with it. In order to get something out of your life, you must contend with it, you know. Um, in order to get rid of, like, this poison, you must drink it. It's an idea that's not predicated on, like, rationality at all, really. And I think that's why it's so hard for us to, like, comprehend and do in everyday life. And I think it requires a cause. And I think that cause needs, and that driving force needs to be um, fueled by virtue. And it really can't be anything other than virtue because it's too, like, life is just way too hard and there's too many things at play um, that make you not want to do that said thing. Like, it has to be driven by something, some goal and some um, something that's, like, beyond yourself because yourself is too weak. Otherwise, you just kind of let it sit forever. Right. Um, and in that way, I think that for humans... You know, morals a lot of times can be more true than facts, you know, and, and, and uh, virtue, you know, can be uh, a lot more important than knowledge, I guess I would say. You know what right. I mean, in a way. Like, you know, you need, you need the fuel to continue to trek on to do a thing that you don't want to do and you have practical reasons not to want to do it but in order to move on you have to really get your hands dirty in it and yeah i just love that part with his wife you know yeah. his ex-wife no i remember that being one of my favorite lines when i was reading it yeah and it was something that really did i, I had to like kind of sit and think about it yeah i had to put the book down for a second and then really because right, it sounds like simple but it also mm-hmm. is not at all because like i said i think that there's something where it's like you're rash like, like r- rationally you know it's something where it's like you don't want s- to deal with something then don't deal with it yeah you know it's like but it's going to continue to deal with you because like the world and life doesn't revolve around you, you especially matters are in the heart it. exactly yeah yeah so that's a big point um that elements I, elements of the world unseen yeah 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 whatever they may be so um so there's that and uh (laughs) so there's that yeah and um with that being said you know i think that especially with like the idea that like you know i think morals are more true than facts it would probably uh be a good time to i wanted to make this statement even earlier but likes to mention another idea that i love about hellboy um which is the fact that he always he he does what's right for the right reasons rather than doing what's right for the wrong reasons right and that's something that i definitely am even guilty of is like doing the right thing for the wrong reasons right you know and uh and you know i I just think that that's something that uh is admirable about his character you know yeah you gotta you you know there's a lot of humility there in his in, in who he is and and uh, I think that that's what it takes to be, you know, an actual standard to strive towards is like having, you know, that uh, your ego in check, I guess, and all that. Um, and so to finish that out, you know, I think there's just a lot of times um, in your life where you think like if you like move to a different place, um, 
or you uh, remove yourself from a stre- stressful situation or you ignore a problem like he does the entire, he says shut up and punches it, you know what I mean? Like that you'll be better off and that now that's gone for a little bit. But really those are just like quick fixes. Um, whereas a lot of the time you have to really deal with hell or else hell is going to be dealing with you. Um, and th- that's inevitable. Uh, you, you know, you can't, it's unfair. Yeah. But it, it's not. But it, it's a fact of life, and one that you know you can't bypass. So, I think that it addresses that well as a hero. And the last point I really wanted to uh, touch on um, something I really love, which is uh, the climax, which pays homage to folklore um, that Mike Mignola, Mike Mignola's uh, been borrowing from all along by ending it like a folktale. That final fight is like very dreamlike and um, it feels like very removed from reality. Uh, Like he's much bigger than he normally is and he uh, has wings and he, uh, and and pretty much the whole fight is just completely removed that whole fight you are completely removed from Hellboy um, in that experience which is so unlike the rest of the comics previously you know Um, we're usually in Hellboy's shoes with him in each fight and in each moment whereas um, that final fight it's something he like truly has to do alone like he gets told that but like you know then we like we as the reader who have, have been with him on this journey this whole time are like just hearing about this through a blinded demon who's telling it to his grandmother. And I, I think that that's, you know, such a cool way to, you know, uh, do his final fight. Um, it just like completely removes the reader. Um, and I love like how vibrant the colors get in that fight. Like, and it just makes it's, it all yeah. the more epic. It's you know beautifully I mean? illustrated. Um, yeah. Well, in the like Hellboy and Hell specifically is like so like uh, grungy. It's like greens and. And, and, and then that like last fight is just like this vibrant uh, red and and flames and and then it gets really dark um, and I, I, yeah I, I just think that that uh, is really cool but I love how Mike Mignola uh, ends the like he, he lands that plane um, after that uh, like full tail fight is what I'll yeah. call it you know what I mean like he he he, he lands that with uh, Hellboy walking on the beach alone and 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 uh, trying to find a place to like reside, you know, and 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 you know, be alone for who knows when, you know, and and uh, Hellboy really ends being the man, not the myth or the demon or the king, you know, but right. he, but ends being he, he ends as kind of just being a guy, yeah, kind of being a guy just walking on a beach, you know. Um, which feels, especially for the reader, feels a lot more personal. Um, and with all of that being said, you know, I think that, uh, you know, life always plays victim to death. And coming to terms with that uh, is something that's beautiful if you make it. Um, and what that looks like is living your life in an honorable way where it could end at any moment and you you know don't have to feel uh ashamed of that um death is just a huge part of being human you know and life doesn't have 
as much value without um, the existence of death. And most of all, you can't have the act of sacrifice without um, those terms being, those drastic terms being um, laid out on the table. And throughout this entire story, he has the choice between, uh, you know, being a man or being a beast and, um, you know, a king, so to speak. You know, the end of, you know, the beast of the apocalypse, um, which has a lot of power. That's another thing that I would like to address real quick, sorry, but is the fact that, you know, he, despite the fact like that he always rejects it i think that that almost even gets overlooked like that oh hell was just a good guy he rejects it. it's like that's actually a pretty good offer if he was being selfish you know what i mean if he was like if he was only concerned about himself like that's actually like a pretty solid deal like just be the king of the world right yeah you know, so he would believe but you know it's interesting that he chooses to reject that and then chooses to be human and which is a huge downgrade in power well, and, and I love the term that you used earlier, um, pres- preservation. Mm-hmm. He chooses to pres- pre- preserve, preserve good yeah. and preserve, you know, uh, the way that the world is. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, there's, a, there's a wisdom to that um, in the, insofar as this idea that it's not to say that bad will never come, yeah. but his aim is to keep it at bay. To keep it as big, and that's the decision that's, he chooses. As best as he can right. with his power right. and with his capabilities. He does what he can. He does what he can with what he has where he's at, and that's you know it's a, a Theodore Roosevelt quote. And you know I I do love that aspect of Hellboy. I love the fact that um, he chooses to be human, despite the fact that what's tagged along with that is um, limitation, and um, the like baseline. Uh, of suffering that humans have to endure every day you know what i mean like he he takes that on and death you know a big one is death this is like he's like okay so you know he's he's willing to be the one that sacrifices for um the cause that he does believe in and and you know and lastly literally lastly i think you know what what i i uh the thing i love most and this almost could like be like the you know, take away, but in the end note for my love for Hellboy, but is I love that he was like born into this world with the, like as the destroyer of worlds and that he, the world that he ends up destroying is hell. You know, it's like, it's like very, um, ironic and, and it's just what you said. Poetic. It's poetic and it's ironic. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, he gets he gets birthed into he gets created in hell and then birthed into this world to be the shore of it and it's like that it literally backfires into um I guess you could say it's a god smack. Sure. You know what I mean? But it's like it backfires into him he gets he, he's in hell and, and that's once again that's another aspect that I love about that last fight is that he kinda is like, Okay, you get my powers now like, you know, and lays waste to his home quote unquote and i just think that that's uh it's a great representation of sacrifice a, a character that is sacrificial and um noble and very virtuous you know um yeah despite the fact he's very human no it was it was initially very difficult for me to read the ending um because there is such a bittersweet element to it yeah um just because it's you know in terms of the world as far as the earth is concerned uh, 
he's died mm-hmm. and that's it and yeah. his friends will mourn him and it's it's there's a there's a real sadness there but right. as it went on um the end really was something that I appreciated beyond the fact of the artwork and the feelings that are uh presented yeah. um as you said from the the uh, aesthetic choice to have him be this one person alone, like in a little claw cabin, yeah. for all intents and purposes. But with those shapes, which is important to bring up, just like the magician and the snake. Yeah, which I yeah. I, I want to bring that. Up. That um, yeah, I want I, I really want to uh, to pause that and, okay. and come back to that because I I think that that is a a really good place to to end off. Um, yeah. Because the 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 magician and the snake mm-hmm. is such a beautiful story in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's connection to Hellboy, I think is really beautiful. But one of the things that, uh, really started to kind of ease my, um, emotional state at watching the, the, the finales kind of, of, of Hellboy's journey yeah. is just the way that he lived in life. And the fact that, so there's a, there's a part earlier, you know, while he's alive, uh, I think it was during the King Arthur bit mm-hmm. where he's being talked to and, 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 uh, who is it who says to him, somebody says, talks about how he believes, like, you're so ready to believe. I think it's Alice. I think it's Alice. Yeah. Okay. So it's, there's this, there's this part where whoever it is says, you know, you're so ready to believe the bad things about you. And it's kind of like, why can't you believe the good things? Why can't you believe that you're worth saving? Yeah. Um, why are you so willing to, to take those those uh, negative elements elements and 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 you know strap them to yourself and kind of carry that burden as opposed to seeing yourself as is the good guy? And I think at the uh, for so much of the story, what we really do see is that he's he's constantly burdened. He's mm-hmm. burdened by this. Um, daunting uh responsibility that he has um placed on him from hell uh mm-hmm. that he's been you know kind of the heir to the the, the throne of you know whatever yeah. and it's been this really uh difficult struggle that he's had to face and, and and what i think what was interesting to me is this idea that he what i started to realize is that he was alive but he was um constantly stressed or or burdened or you know that had this this monumental weight placed on him yeah and in the end he's dead but he's finally at peace right this idea that he's 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 not suffering anymore he's not upset anymore he's come through it and he's it's it's behind him it's behind him like you said with the the bride yeah he dealt with it it's done yeah and that was something that was uh, really helpful for me in terms yeah. of processing. Well, and I think that once again, I think in general, you know, um, death and and the end of things, like we we've become so um, we've become such creatures of excess, you know, um, that I think we just can't comprehend good things ending. Um, and I think that Mike Mignola, Mike Mignola I'm sorry, keeps I, you know I can't get that G out of there, but. I think that he, um, obviously, I think he knows that he knew that that he had, you know he had to end it when he did, and uh, 
and you know well he kind of said it felt right like he he said he planned to go it goes back to what i was saying about comics these days it's just very frustrating and i think that that's why we even like movies and stuff is because they're a lot more confined you know it's like uh the sense of finality is like a plus right yeah having limitations is good it's like sometimes comics feel like and stories in general can feel like you know you, if you don't want rules and you don't want limitations and stuff like that, it's like oh, you cannot have those things, but it really devalues whatever you do and the structure that life puts on you. You know what I mean? Like uh, it, it's just what gives things value. You know, you can't be happy that you won a game that had no rules. Right. So um, in that same way, you know, it's something where is it sad? Yeah. But um, is it beautiful and is it more meaningful? Yeah, definitely. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate Spectre. We mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. Yeah. But like that's it. There's there you know, the in the James Bond uh, Daniel Craig series. Yeah. I feel like the best James Bond film to date has been Skyfall, and then Spectre came out, and you know. Yeah. I think we might have even talked about it on the podcast before. I can't remember, but you know, uh, you've got Christoph Waltz, yeah. and uh, and you're just like, this is fantastic. And for me, it, it's so bad. I mean, I can't even. I just have to. I can't. I can't. You know. Uh, accept its existence because it like devalues the rest of his right. run as James Bond, and I think that that you're you're at, you're running the risk of those things happening. You're running the risk of putting something in there yeah. that is uh, a messy to say the least. Dark Knight Rises yeah. is another example that's famous. We talk about a lot. It's yeah, like, right. And um, and then that kind of brings back to the comic book thing. It's like if you follow through all of Batman or Spider Man or whoever, you're going to find some stuff in there that is mind blowing that you have to just you have to in yeah. your brain decide is not canon mm-hmm. because it's so it's so disastrous. And it's just too much, you know. It's but... just too much. Um, we were going to talk about the, uh, the the movie, but I don't I true I don't want to taint this episode. I feel like it's we've. Speaking of you know ending things mm-hmm. um, in their turn, I think that that this that's I don't, I don't think that's the place to bring that monstrosity, no pun intended, into. Uh, I don't want to bring it into this realm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we may do a additional episode where we just yeah. vent about that. Uh, Point five. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but there's two questions I want to ask you. Um, and. The uh, I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out which one to ask first, so I'm going to ask them both, mm-hmm. and you answer them in the order you feel like you should. The first question is, what is the biggest thing that you feel you have been helped with by Hellboy? The second question is kind of just a follow up into those shapes and the magician and the snake and ex- explaining that. Um, and uh, for the sake of you know wrapping us up aesthetically, yeah. uh, I really want you to kind of just take the wheel on those yeah well as far as what has been the most helpful to me in regards to uh reading hellboy um i would say pretty much most of the what has transpired in this podcast and our conversation is is it um but to say it in more of like a streamlined bullet point in a more streamlined bullet point way i guess um it's probably two things uh, that I got most from it, which is the first being um, if you can suspend rationality for a moment in the sake or in the name of fiction 
then uh, I would do that, yeah, especially when you're reading Hellboy. I think it's easy to like read a comic um, about a big red guy um, and the situations that he finds himself in with his uh, destiny to bring forth hell, you know, and be the beast of the apocalypse. So, it, you know, you could read that and at, on uh, uh, surface level and let it be what it is, you know. Right. Uh, however, I think that we are all creatures capable of uh, bringing hell to earth or preserving and promoting heaven on right. earth um, in little decisions and in big decisions. And, um, you know, just looking at life in that way makes life more heavy, but I guess it makes it more meaningful and it makes it, uh, and it just makes it you, me rethink a lot of things I do on a daily um, basis, you know, right. um, how I treat people when I'm in a bad mood or, you know, uh, I know you've brought up like, uh, this is water before. Yeah, and David Foster Wallace. Like that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you don't know what how you're ruining or making someone's day throughout your day. Yeah. You know, and then especially in deep relationships that you have with people, you know, it's something where, uh, I don't know, I don't think that people really... Uh, I think people feel like they're meaningless, so they act in a meaningless way, and uh, so they don't tie a lot of weight or responsibilities to their decisions, which it's like, well, you're capable of making life for people hell, or bringing a little bit of heaven to it, you know, and it's like you... you oh, yeah. You... you you get to make that decision. And, and so that's something that I really did get, that, you know, I, I related with Hellboy on as being a creature with that um, capacity for good and evil. Um, and the second one being uh, a big one, which is the idea that um, sacrifice in the pursuit of virtue is the only sustainable strategy to combat the punishment of your existence. None of us ask to exist, you know, and to exist is to suffer in an unforgiving world. Um, much like Hellboy did not ask to exist and be the beast of the apocalypse, you know. So to exist is to suffer, which feels much like a punishment that we didn't ask for so in order to do that without getting bitter and becoming a villain you need a cause that's beyond you to strive towards to suffer for in a way or sacrifice for is you know but to sacrifice is to suffer it's like pretty much it's like no matter what you're going to suffer you know might as well pick what you're suffering for in order to sustain you through life, which is hard and unforgiving. And that is the story of a hero. So I think the shapes in the room were just to uh, reference the magician and the snake and the magician and the snake is a um, really short story that was written by uh, Mike Mignola. 
um, and his daughter. Uh, and uh, the story pretty much is that uh, the magician, there's a magician and he uh, goes to a king and um, is doing uh, magic tricks for him and he's you know not pleasing the monkey king. And so he's like, okay, I have one more for you. And um, he's like, you know, he makes these three shapes disappear out of nowhere. And he gets named, he does it in order to get named the best magician in the world by the king. So then he goes home and he tells his best friend, the snake, that, um, you know, that he, what he had done. And he said, but the only thing is I didn't really make them, you know, the, the shapes really did not disappear. They're going to be coming back. And when they come back, they're going to uh, take him away with them you know, into the great unknown. And uh, the snake, you know, I don't. I think the snake didn't understand why he did that, but whatever the case. Yeah, I remember it. It's, it's very sad. I think it's crying. Yeah, well, well, I think that it was like, okay, you know, because he's like, I, you know, he wanted to be named the greatest magician in the world. So whatever the case, he ends up, um, they spend the last of their years together having a bunch of fun, but then the time comes where this, the, uh, the, the, uh, shapes come back and they retrieve the magician and the snake is crying and saying please That's right. don't take him away you know uh and that is the magician and then it ends you know um and they confess their love for each other and then he's gone and i think i mean to each their own but i think that for one it's a thing where uh you know i think that it's pro it, it's a good representation of like uh everything you do in your life has consequences and, and you know um, you pay a price for the things that you choose to do good or bad so there's that element at play and then there's the aspect of uh, you know all good things must come to an end which is probably the one that he was more specifically uh, addressing um, which I think is very true yeah I think know? it's it's. I mean it's largely opened up to interpretation and yeah I know he's kind of given some uh clues on it and, and, mm -hmm. and as to what it means to him and I, I really I really love that ending because I, yeah. I thought it, because it's it's I feel like it is it really is ambiguous and I think that you know this is one of the stories that is is strengthened by that yeah I agree I agree I mean I think that uh, once again it falls much more into literature than um, you know a comic yeah uh, so I think that that is a good note to end it on yeah I'm with um, you um, so go read Hell if you haven't yeah it's it's it really is great uh, thanks everybody for listening um, we'll catch you next time yeah